everybody. Welcome back. It's been a long time. Yes, we've been very busy with personal stuff, you know, moving our kids from Atlanta to Boston. And so the podcast um, took a hit, but I'm really excited that we are returning with something very special. That's right. Very special indeed. From what I understand, there was a book that came out recently and very interesting set of circumstances around it and the author also. And uh, maybe you'd like to talk about that. Yes, the author is Rajan Jetli. He has been one of my earliest mentors and I have literally known him all my life. Always saw him as this exceptionally um, brilliant man with a lot of firsts to his name. Um, He's had a very exceptional career where he's rubbed shoulders with all the top-notch people in different arenas. It can be anything from films to politics to business. He has worked with a lot of people. He's mentored many people. He has observed life. I always perceived him as this man of very few words, very private, never gave unsolicited advice. And when you did take his advice, it was worth its weight in gold. So I was kind of really surprised that somebody that private would actually come out with a book. In fact, when you see, uh, when you listen to my interview with him, uh, which was conducted a couple of days ago, uh, that's the first question I ask him. This book resonated so intensely with me, I immediately got it when I found out that, you know, this book had come out. Um, I must have read it way over a dozen times. And every time I opened the book called Blinding Glimpses of the Obvious, something catches my attention and makes me think of an aspect of my life, reminds me of an experience I had. It is very much like him. It is a book where he has shared life's lessons in very succinct and uh, short quotes. In fact, it is such a quick, easy read when you read it the first time. But then when you read it a second and a third time, you notice that every single quote has so much depth and wisdom in it. Hopefully, my interview with him is not going to be, uh, you know, the first and the last one. Uh, There is just so much more to discuss uh, in this book. And I think everyone should own one copy at least. Yes, that is the impression that I got also thumbing through the uh, the book. Uh, so blinding glimpses of the obvious, but there is also a subtitle underneath, Revealing Insights, LOL Humor, that's laugh out loud humor, and good old common sense. I think he is well positioned to del- deliver all of these. Having met him myself, I, I met him through you, I think it's three years ago that I met him. And uh, my impressions of Rajan Jaitley are that you know, he's extremely personable, uh, very articulate. He has observed a great deal of interaction in the business world. And, you know, just sitting alone with him and having conversations with him, I realized very quickly that this is uh, a man who has a great deal of wisdom, a great deal of insight. And when we spoke, he was so knowledgeable about multi-various topics, you know, everything from geopolitics to philosophy to various industries, including uh, pharmaceutical industry, aviation, restaurant business, you name it. And, and, you know, it was just a very interesting conversation that I had with him. And I was, I was very impressed. So I think that this book, you know, I, I believe it's five decades that he's had, um, you know, in all of these various industries and, and doing what he does. He's seen and observed a lot, and that definitely comes through. 
Yes, and I think what uh, you will also see about him and his wife Rita um, is that they are both extremely grounded people. They're very humble. Mm. You will never see Rajan, you know, brag about his achievements. There are quite a few. You know, he was a rank outsider and completely turned Air India around one of the youngest MDs. You know, he started in the private sector, then worked for the uh, for the public sector, and he actually excelled in both. You know, there are just so many different industries that he's a part of. And I think to multitask like that and be successful in everything you do and yet keep your head on your shoulders is, again, a terrific achievement. I remember him saying to me that one of the quotes that he had written was that, you know, if he, and I'm paraphrasing, if he didn't know the rich and famous so intimately, he might have envied them. One of the things that his father told him, you know, his father was a very illustrious man, very brilliant and, um, again, a stalwart you know, in his profession, in the military, in many ways. So you're, you know, you are going to receive a very rich treasure of so many different things in one place. And I hope that there are many more books that he will write because we certainly can benefit from it. Absolutely. And I'm sure all of these aspects will come out in the conversation that you've had with him. So enjoy the conversation and hopefully there'll be many more. Great pleasure to have Rajan Jaitley on my podcast, Conversations. And you know, I've known you all my life. And uh, my impression of you has always been of this great super achiever, but a man of few words, uh, never giving unsolicited advice to anyone uh, throughout the time that I've known you. And then so it was a, a pleasant surprise to see this book and that you'd written one. And I was like, uh, you know, I have to grab a copy. And I, I think I've read this maybe at least 15 times. And even today in the morning, I was going over it and writing my favorite quotations. This book personifies you because so many of life lessons and life's experiences have been put very succinctly in a few words. But every single quote literally made me think. Title of the book, uh, Blinding Glimpses of the Obvious, it is such a catchy um, title. So my question to you is, a man of few words, very private, how did the idea of this book come about? Well, actually, uh, Kavita, the book has been in the making for the last almost 30, 35 years. Uh, ever since I was a young boy, I've been fascinated by great people, you know, and if you, if you really think about it, the way we remember them is about the things that they said very succinctly, hmm. you know, almost aphorisms, things that uh, they said very interestingly, but which were true. So they encapsulated their entire personalities, their, their outlooks, their experience, their wisdom in very few words. And that's how they've lasted through thousands of years of history. Start with Julius Caesar, you talk about Abraham Lincoln, you talk about Mahatma Gandhi. What do you, what do you remember about them? Yes, they're great stories, but they're very complicated long. But what we remember about them is the pithy things that they said, you know, uh, the their quotes, or the, like I said, their aphorisms. And so that's always fascinating. And so almost about 30, 35 years ago, I started to write things that I experienced, that I saw in my own words. And that's how, and you know, I'd write a little piece, write it on a little piece of paper, put it in my wallet, get up in the night, you know, refine it a little, say, no, that doesn't say it so well. 
So I had papers all over the place, little piece of paper all over the place, written on my books, written on on the back of uh, you know of maybe a serviette or, and then I'd connect them all into a into a book, and then start whenever I had time, start writing them, multiply them in their mind, in my mind, and that's how it all came about. So I had this thick folder, all these pieces of paper and these things that I've written that I used to carry around. Sometimes I think of something and I forget about it. And then I start thinking, what did I, you know, what was that thought that came to me? Anyways, to cut a long story short, then you know that we were locked down in Dubai in for about six months during the COVID. We were visiting there and, you know, all the flights got cancelled, etc. And so we, we actually had to stay there for one more six And that's the time that I really put it into because I had nothing to do. And I'd sit there looking at the ocean and I'd write and that's how the book really came about. So we have to thank so COVID that something good came out of that. You know, people yes. were getting so stressed out, but it gave you the opportunity because I know what a busy lifestyle you have otherwise. So the title of the book could have been anything, words of wisdom, aphorisms. No, actually the title, uh, you know, is something that's been around for many, many years. Mm. I mean, you know, people have used this as a phrase for many years. And I actually heard about heard it uh, many years ago uh, by someone you know, said that, and then I also remember that it was in a book uh, by by uh, about a guy called Ra, very famous guy called Ross Johnson, mm-hmm. and he used to use it a lot. And I read that in his book, and so that stayed in my mind. And you know, through life, you hear so many things, you notice so many things, and you put them somewhere at the back of your head. Right. Not something that's used very used very uh, commonly, but it has been used before. And I thought this would be an absolute appropriate title for the book to read into the title. It is because uh, many of the quotes that are there that you've written are so obvious, and yet when you actually look at it, it creates so many different thoughts in your mind. It's very thought thought provoking. Some of them are like, "Oh, I knew it, but I didn't look at it this way." For me, it was like every time I read a particular quote, I remembered some instance from my life that resonated with it, whether it was about children, whether it was about marriage, whether it was about business, uh, whether it was about contentment. You know, you've covered so many different topics and I love the format. It's not, uh, you know, chapter by chapter, because usually somebody will put that quote on the top and it'll be... There was a lot of pressure to put this in silence, say, okay... These are the quotes on marriage, these are the quotes on love, these are the quotes on money. But life is not like that. It's a kaleidoscope. It just comes. Everything comes together. And there's no set pattern in which, uh, you know, you tackle these things in life. But I just wrote it as it came to me, right? And uh, without putting it into silence, because that is a real effect. So you can open any page and you'll, you'll read something, right, that's relevant to some aspect of your life. Because every quote that I've written is based on some experience that I that I went through personally or I saw people going through. That's how the book has been presented. And I didn't want to present it in a very serious, profound, you know, sort of uh, classic manner. That's why I presented it almost as a comic book. Yes. Illustration yes, and different colors and different, you know, light. True. So it's really become like an interesting book for me. I opened it all randomly, like every three 
I'll see something and that'll get me thinking. I already have so many ideas for my next few podcasts because <laughs> I'll start quoting you there. And then there'll be some experience that, you know, to mind. So it's so your career has spanned five decades, as you mentioned in the foreword. And if I was to ask you to choose one or two quotes that you have mentioned in the book and define each decade of your personal professional life, uh, what would they be and why? Well, you see, Kavita, I mean, you know, I'm 73 years old, right? So I've been around for uh, a long time. And every phase of your life is actually quite different. Yeah. You're a kid, you're a student, you get your first job, you get your second job, you get married, you have children, you achieve something, you don't achieve other things, you retire. So every aspect of life has its own challenges and its own uh, you know, satisfactions. But there are certain things that straddle every phase. And you know, if I was to go into this many, many phases, and I've had so many different jobs, and, you know, I've been in so many different places, etc. I mean, I've been blessed with the whole, you know, sort of, like I say, a kaleidoscope of experiences in life. But as I said, there are certain things that stay true in every phase of your life. And that's the first quote that if, what are we looking for? We're looking for contentment. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for fulfillment. You know, there's nothing beyond that. Everything that life brings to you is, is part of those two or three things. But the most important thing of all those is, if you want to achieve that, is what I say in my very first quote. And the first quote really says, that if contentment be your lifelong goal, then look for it in your attitude towards life. You can find it equally in both success and failure. So it's the attitude that really straddles your entire and your entire life. And if you have the right attitude towards both success and failure, then I think you're in a much better position to, uh, to contend with the ups and downs of life. So I think that's that's one quote that I that I like to talk about, and uh, the the other quote that I think that uh, might be relevant is that uh, it's about unrealistic expectations because see one is the material aspect of life which is the success and the house that you have and the car that you have you know all the material things that matter in life of course they do, but the other thing is how successful are you in your relationships. And the key to success in relationships is to have realistic expectations in your in your relationships. And uh, one of the quotes that, I'm, uh, that that I like about that is, see, an unrealistic expectation of perfection in each other really lies at the heart of many of our broken relationships. Right. You have to be realistic about your and really. Perfection is not achieved. You have to learn to contend with, and I wrote a quote on that, which is a really an extension of this unrealistic expectations quote. Basically, what it says is that you have to be happy with what your relationships can give you, and you have to you have to tailor your needs to what you have. So, really, these are the two, you know, very important aspects of finding your fulfillment in that. So it also brings me to an interesting uh, quote that that I read, and to paraphrase it, you talk about risk taking, 
and, yes. and and there you say that if you accept the consequences of that risk, then it really isn't a risk. So that's right. You know, that's so right. it all applies to relationships as well, because when you get into a relationship, everything is a risk, right? Um, yes. So um, you have taken a few risks, and I know I've interviewed you previously, and you've uh, you know very openly talked about your failures, and yet you continue taking chances and uh, and I think those risks were not calculated risks because I think you know you have so many firsts to your name the youngest MD complete rank outsider who turned a white elephant like Air India around and made it into a money spinner you got into the restaurant business I mean you, you Britannia you know there's just so many Jacob Ballas now all kinds of different things now that you you know look back um, at your career what is the advice you will give the younger generation? Because I see a lot of angst and stress there. I don't recall seeing you ever very stressed out about stuff. The first thing, of course, that I would say to any young person is, it's your attitude, which I said earlier, right? Yes. I said, you know, it's your attitude. to One thing that we've got to remember is that you have to keep your objective clear. One of the quotes I've written is that keep your objective clear and your strategy flexible. Because as that famous thing about Arjun with his bow and arrow wanting to, you know, sort of strike at the eye of the fish, of a revolving fish, he kept his objective absolutely clear. So if your objective is clear, then your strategy to achieve it can be as flexible as you wish. Because there's no one path to achieving an objective. Right. You can do it in any which ways. It mustn't be rule bound to say that I can only achieve it with on this route. You can achieve it in many ways. Keep your strategy flexible. And you also made a very uh, important point that it's very difficult to bring up children in affluence as compared to bringing up children in adversity. You know, my favorite quote, my own favorite quote on that is, how can you expect your children to be like you if you gave them everything that you never had? So everybody is brought up in a different circumstance and nobody can be like anyone else because everybody's circumstances different. So that really applies to the child, to your children as well. It's much more, more difficult, obviously, to bring up children in an you know, affluent household yes. than in, let's say, an household which is not that affluent because the, the need to stay focused is much more when you know, you've got other things to think about than, than just uh, the in a house which has you know, abundance of, uh, of everything. You see a lot of people who make it very big in life never lose their middle class values. And, uh, and, the, and the secret to retaining wealth is also never to lose your middle class values. You know, you have met all kinds of super achievers apart from being one. And what is the single most important thing you noticed in all these people? And it's been not just people in one sector. You've met film stars and you've, you know, business tycoons and hotel magnets and you name it. I mean, you've been a globetrotter and you've rubbed shoulders with the, the most successful. What is the single most thing that you you noticed about each one of them that you also had that that, you know, in you, the quality? Was it middle class values or it was a single minded, uh, you know, not being afraid of failure, perseverance? I think it's, a, it's really a mix of uh, many, many attributes, right? But I think the, the one that I, I admire in people and I see as a common thread is 
they are all very grounded people. And if they are not, they lose it very quickly. Right? I mean, I've seen people who are not grounded. I've seen people who've lost their middle class life. But, you know, they haven't been able to retain success. I mean, it's been, it's been passing, you know, maybe it's gone in the next generation, maybe even within their lifetimes. But if you look at all the, all the people today who are highly successful or highly uh, sort of motivated, the one thing that, uh, that, you, that you see about them is that they're all very grounded and uh, they're all very uh, humble. Otherwise, if you're part of a reality show, you're rich, famous, and you're part of a reality show. Uh, every reality show has another season. Yes. You know, with someone else. Every time I've interviewed a very successful company owner, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, I've said, what is the secret of your success? And they said, hiring people smarter than us. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not the first one to say that you have to surround yourself with people, with a team, which is of people who are smarter than you want to run any business successfully, and you can't know everything about it. So the, your role is to create an empowering climate atmosphere in whichever company you run, as the, as the CEO or as the, as, the, as the leader of the group. You create an empowering environment. You empower those people who are smarter than you, go ahead and do those things. So. Uh, it, the same thing is true of the ideas, that the ability to recognize a great idea is as important as the ability to generate one. Because ideas come every single day and you spot it, you recognize it, then you, and I think most, most uh, ideas that people uh, implement, you know, may have come from an idea from someone else. True. So uh, why not? You know, like you keep your objective clear that you're going to achieve something, and let the idea be somebody else's or yours. You go for it, and you know, sort of achieve it. One more quote that really struck me because it's so difficult to do that is where you said the ability to compartmentalize your relationship successfully is the key to a wide sphere of trust and acceptability. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. What's at the heart? What's at the heart of it is that you deal with 20 people at the same time. A lot of those people don't like each other. Like you've got to run a team. True. To run a team, right? And when you have to run a team, you must have the ability to make, to make each member of the team feel that you have a special relationship with them. That was a great quote. Yeah. So if you want to have a special relationship and they don't like the other guy, right? then you have to compartmentalize that relationship. It's not easy, but it's doable. And that is the key to running a successful team. So what do you, I mean, you've said some very interesting things about destiny, about miracle, about faith. On a personal level, do you believe in destiny? Do you believe that faith is the crutch that we need sometimes to succeed, to get, you know, hope and faith kind of go hand in hand together? I'm a complete believer that there is a guiding hand. I mean, and that comes from my, like I said, many years of experience. That there are there are things when things happen that are completely unexpected. You know, it uh, it increases your, uh, how should I say, uh, your, your faith in, in miracles, right? Right. There are many times in my life when I really wanted something very badly, 
Mm. And I didn't get it, and I was extremely disappointed. Right. Only to realize, years down the road, that if that had happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. This is in a much better place. Right. So, uh, call it coincidence, call it uh, a, a, the hand of destiny, call it whatever. But these things do exist, and I like to I like to feel that there is something spiritual about. This quote really struck home because you were one of my mentors, actually. Uh, and you said here that when you look back um, on your success in life, you may recall a door that was opened and that one opportunity that someone gave to you. Remember to do that for someone as well. So can you talk a couple, uh, you know, about a couple of your mentors who, because of whom you are where you are today? Of course, our par- it always starts with our parents because it teaches by example. And your father himself was such an illustrious and accomplished man, not just in the military, but what he did. Um, outside of uh, once he retired as a military general? Someone at every stage of my life, someone has come along, you know, I mean, uh, whether it be professional or personal or whatever. But I'll go back to what you said about the single one, single most relationship, I'm sorry, I have to go back to that. The one relationship that straddles all these, because the other relationships were transactional. I mean, when you're in a job, you know, your boss gives you a break, you get your promotion, somebody gives you a job, you know, and you get an opportunity, etc. So those are, how should I say, transactional relationships that, that are many and several throughout life. But if, that, there's, a, if there's one relationship that, like I said, straddles all this, which keeps you balanced and gives you the ability to do all these things, that I have to tell you that really was my father directly identified. I tell you, he was he was very uh, grounded, very simple. I'll give you some of the quotes that I I actually uh, attribute to him, and I think you'll find that interesting. One of the things that he told me was, and that quote is uh, from. I'll read that quote to you, which will give you an idea of how he thought and which he invited me very early. He said, the joys that wealth and power promise to bring into our lives may in reality be vastly exaggerated. I mean, we, we hanker for power and for, for wealth and relevance. A lot of people who achieve that at the end of the day might feel that, you know, they're a bit, that's, it's a bit overrated. One of the things that I say is, that if I didn't know the rich and famous so closely, I might have envied them. So wealth, power, etc., is is great, it's fine, but it's all about your attitude. And also relationships, because you've said in one quote that the most important thing in life is a long-lasting relationship. You know, if you can best investment in life is in a long-lasting relationship. Yes. Then there's. Uh, one that I said, um, then the one about the unrealistic expectations. And uh, there's one that he always said to me, which I never forget, is that he said that nothing is going to be as important tomorrow as it is today. So don't get too hassled about some adversity or some setback today and feel that this is the end of the world. Because it's not going to be as important tomorrow as it is today. 
So I like, you know, he was very grounded, very simple. And I kept these, these thoughts in my mind whenever I needed to contend with life, you know, throughout life. And when he, and I was very lucky because he lived uh, a long life. He was 95 and he died in 2018. When he was alive, I could feel like a young man, you know, but when he died, I suddenly felt very old. And I wrote the quote that, you know, you never feel old till such time that your parents are alive. You only get old when your parents die. So I have one personal question that I have to ask you. Now, your father excelled in a different field and you excelled in a different field. Both your boys are kind of in similar uh, you know, background and uh, they are yes. in the same kind of profession. Uh, you know, a lot of times there are so many comparisons between the children and the parents, whether it's the film world, whether it's business. You know, Dhirubhai Ambani's sons are being compared to him and your sons are in the same field. How have you and your wife managed to make sure that your children, your boys don't get overwhelmed by being Rajan Jaitley's sons. How have you managed to make sure that they are flourishing in a healthy way and there's that balance in their lives? Well, I think uh, that credit probably goes to my wife, Rita. She, we've always had uh, middle-class values, right? We've never really uh, lived the high life. I mean, we've met people, you know, we entertain, we go on. But uh, we keep it grounded, and that's what we try to do with the kids. I think that that was the key. And initially, of course, you know, when I had these businesses, which we recently sold and wound up or whatever, before they were decided, what decided to do their own ways, they worked with me for a few years as well. One in the hospitality business, the other one in the financial services. Right. And uh, whatever you know, they could invite from, from their association with me in those businesses, they took. And they've both now decided to do something on their own, uh, independently, in those two respective fields. Okay. So that, I think, is hard. The businesses that they were with me, they were never the number two or even the number three. I mean, they were they climbed the corporate ladder in the north. They worked there. They were not the boss's son who was going to succeed in. You know, the best people to run those companies are always the professionals who know more than your kids. And if you over-promote your kids, then it does two things. One is not good for the company. B is not good for the kids. So that's what we try to do. We run a great promotion. Well, thank you very much for this conversation. There is so much more to ask you apart from this book, but I'm definitely going to be quoting it a lot and sharing it with all my listeners and readers. And I hope everybody grabs a copy because it is really a one-stop shop for so much information about how to live your life, how to work well, and how to create that work-life balance. Thank you. Such a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was a very insightful conversation and such, such a joy to hear, actually, your interaction with, with Rajan Jaitley. And uh, just a few thoughts come to mind. The first is regarding the book, Blinding Glimpses of the Obvious. It, it is interesting to see how he has packaged wisdom into such succinct and concise quotes. And I know you asked him about that. You know, I myself have heard many times that brevity is the soul of wit, but it is so much more challenging to take wisdom and to condense it into these little quotes. 
he has managed to do that. The insights that he has presented, um, you know, blinding glimpses of the obvious, maybe not always so obvious, but I think the most uh, talented among us do draw attention to those things. I see this in many aspects with comedians that I admire, for instance. Uh, there's a lot of observational humor in people like Jerry Seinfeld, George Carlin. These are people that uh, many people admire very much, and they've written huge tomes you know, with, with very humorous and insightful material. This is kind of like that, and I think I told you before that there was uh, a book that George Carlin published in the mid-90s, I believe. Uh, he called it Brain Droppings, but it was very similar in that these very quick sort of one-liners, two or three lines at the most, of just little things that kind of dropped into his head, little observations and, and things like that. And Mr. Jaitley's book kind of reminded me of that. There's plenty to laugh about, but even more to consider in depth. Yeah, and I think what I really appreciated about this book was that it was not uh, limited to his experiences. Uh, it's a very open-ended book. He could have easily, um, you know, as I mentioned to him, um, taken one of his quotes and then written a whole chapter about his mm -hmm. life's experiences. But then it limits the reader to that. When I mentioned that, you know, when I opened the book and I was just reading it, it started reminding me of my life's experiences. Something simple where he said that, you know, you don't really feel old until your parents die. Mm. Uh, you know, something as simple, a simple one-liner like that made me start thinking about my parents. And, you know, it, it's true. You start really feeling like an orphan when your parents pass away. My son used to say, your voice changes when you talk to your dad. You know, it's like a little girl's voice. And then, you know, there were there were other things that he wrote about that were just that had so much depth and started. I started, you know, whether it was money, whether it was fame, whether it was raising children, whether it was marriage, it just brought me back to my own experiences or something I had observed in others. So that is what makes this book, you know, such a limitless treasure. And as I mentioned to him that this is not going to be the only conversation because there is so much in this book that I would love to discuss with him. You know, there are so many life experiences in detail that I'd want to know about. Um, because even though I've known him all my life, you know, we all get caught up in our own stuff and our own lives and we don't meet that often. Uh, but when you do meet, you see that the one thing that hasn't changed about him is his continuous wisdom, his continuous um, way of looking at life, which is just so refreshing, even how they raise their kids. Uh, you know, with middle class values. And so there is so much left. And I hope that, you know, we'll have many more interviews, many more conversations with people like him. Meeting somebody like him and getting to know his viewpoint and the, how open minded he is. You know, one of the quotes that he said that, you know, always be prepared to change your mind because you know more today than you knew yesterday. A lot of people just stick to their guns and they feel it's it's something wrong to change your mind about right. stuff. But, you know, you just flow with everything. Another thing that he said was, you know, when I asked him in the interview, like, what is it, the co what is the common thing that you found in people who are very successful? You know, he, he gave a lot of uh, different, uh, you know, reasons. But I think the one thing that stood out for me was uh, that pe those people retained their middle class values. And also it was in their attitude on how they handled failure. Because, you know, my concern these days is with the younger generation, I find so much angst, so much stress. And I said that to him, I said, I never saw you stressed out. You know, it's not that he had an unlimited wealth and he could do whatever he wanted to do with it. He, 
you know, worked his way through, uh, you know, various uh, industries and became very successful. And he's seen failures too. He talks about them very openly and what he learned from them. So I hope that there will be many more conversations because this, re- it, this is really a tip of the iceberg. I mean, I saw Dr. Deepak Chopra endorsing the book and, you know, Shabana Asmi is a legendary actor also endorsing. And I'm very curious to have conversations with them to ask them which quote hit home for them. Yeah. And uh, one thing that you just said uh, really struck a chord with me, which is about the failures, because again, Mr. Jaitley is obviously a very successful man in the traditional sense of the word, but he has probably seen uh, his share of failure as well. He, he mentioned something in your interview, which, uh, you know, I think you asked him, which quote would he pick, you know, like as a young person or as an older person, which one kind of carries him throughout. And he just, uh, he gave a great answer about attitude because so much of life is about attitude and the way that we approach difficulties, adversity, obstacles, and especially failures. Because, uh, you know, you can win or you can learn. A lot of people do say, you know, it's either win or lose, but a loss is an opportunity to learn. uh, And there's always a lesson in that. And I think that's an important point that he mentions. Very true. So I'm really excited about this book, and I hope that all of you will pick up a copy. It's available on Amazon, um, and I hope, and I'm looking forward to many more conversations with Rajan. Wonderful. And once again, the title of the book is Blinding Glimpses of the Obvious. The subtitle is Revealing Insights, LOL Humor, and Good Old Common Sense. And uh, I encourage you all to check it out. Thanks so much. (laughs) 